Guys, I was crying before I even came up here. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, my name is Ashley Berger. I'm the worship director here, and it is my honor to be here, standing here, the first week of Kirk's sabbatical. Apparently, I got the short straw. Uh, <laughs> I was te he texted encouragement and emailed the staff yesterday encouragement while he's gone, and um, I just, uh, I was overcome then. It's kind of a daunting thought to try to stand where he stands so often. So um, I have, there's a, is there a ring? I feel like my gain might be too high. Sorry. Um, I have a lot in here, and I don't know what's going to come out here. So I'm hoping that you will have grace, and we will, Holy Spirit, you've never failed me yet. We just sang those words, and we're going to go with it. So um, we're starting a new series in the book of Psalm, and it's called My Favorite Psalm. So there's a bunch of us on the teaching team that have a psalm in that really, like a chapter of the book of Psalm that really speaks to us, and we just want to share it with you and what it means with us. So, um, but before we dive into that, I want to talk to you about an inner monologue. This thought has been on my mind so much in the last probably month, and I actually asked my life group last two weeks ago, what's your inner monologue? Because what is it that goes through your mind when you're about to take a step into something new? When you're about to speak to somebody, like you know you're supposed to speak to that girl over there, but are you the person, like what, what thoughts go through your mind? Because for me, it's a lot of disqualification. They don't want to talk to me. Who, what do I have to say? Oh my word, I'm going to get into my week this week, but what do I have to say that's worth listening to? Like, why do you want me to talk to them? Somebody else is surely more qualified or is it, well, I'm just going to fail anyway, so why even try? I tell you, listening, everybody in our life group went around the table. And it was breaking my heart because I see these amazing people, talented, generous, kind, spirit-filled people that disqualify themselves from the start before they even take that step or make the thought in their mind that, yes, I'm going to do. And one of the hardest ones... Didn't know I was going to share this. One of the hardest ones was my husband, Matt. He's one of the strongest, kindest, most amazing people I know. And he said the thing that he thinks about is that he's going to fail us just instantly. And that we're, we're relying on him and he's just, we're, he's going to disappoint us. And so, like, why is he supposed to do this? And uh, that was hard to hear. So think about that for yourself. Um, I would encourage you to share it with your spouse, with your sister, with somebody that you're close with. Like, talk about this. We all have this inner monologue, and it's ridiculous most of the time. I'm just telling you, it's ridiculous most of the time. Sometimes, yes, we don't have a lot of experience, but it does not mean that we shouldn't be doing it, because God will equip the called. He doesn't only call the people that have all the degrees or have all the eloquent speech. He will equip you if he calls you. And that inner monologue oftentimes are not actually our own thoughts anyway. They're the thoughts of the enemy that wants to keep us from whatever God is calling us to. I would not be here, <laughs> standing right here or leading on Sundays or anywhere near here probably, if I listened to the inner monologue that constantly goes through my head. Because you see me on stage and people are like, wow, you're just so confident. What you don't know is that I disqualify myself every single Sunday morning. I'm tempted to. 
I'll say it that way. I'm tempted to. That I'm not, I'm not qualified. I'm not good enough. When I'm talking to people, I can be outgoing, but the inner monologue, you guys don't see that. I rely on Holy Spirit 100% of the time, and he's taken me to amazing places, and I know I would have missed out if I hadn't listened to him. So that's where, that's like the overarching theme of today. But so I want to talk to you a little bit about the book of Psalm, because if you're not familiar with it, it's actually, it's amazing. It's really long. There's 150 chapters, and so the next few weeks, we're going to be going verse by verse, you know, through every single, no, I'm kidding, we're not. (laughs) You're going to get a snippet, four chapters, only four. (laughs) Um, But they're different, it's almost like journal entries. They're written by different people. We actually don't know all of the people. David wrote quite a few. He was one of the kings in the Bible. We did a Life of David series a while back. Moses actually is thought to have written a couple and some of his cousins. So there's a lot of different people that I, yes, I was researching. I didn't even know all the different people that are thought of to have written these. Um, But they're not all growing up. I always thought it was like, praise the Lord. The Lord is wonderful. And there is a lot of it in there, but there's so much more. There's lament, which means like crying out to God. Do you know how many times David says, Lord, take care of my enemies, make them my footstool, which sounds really harsh, but he was being chased. His life was on the line. There's so much to it that we don't always know when we just read read the words. There's songs of lament, just, Lord, why? Why is this happening? Why am I where I'm at? Why is this going on? There's songs of praise. Praise the Lord, my soul. That's how my favorite one starts. Songs of thanksgiving, thank you for leading us, thank you for providing for me. And then there's confidence too, which is so cool when you can see this heart cry. And then towards the end, they're confident. And it's like reading their their journal entries, which is full of emotion. So as an Enneagram 4, I'm like, this is my happy place. (laughs) I get to see and feel so much. In fact, I tried to get everybody to call this series All the Feels, but I was shut down pretty quick. <laughs> Won't name any names. It's funny because um, one of the names is Evan. Um, but he gets blamed for everything. But this really was his deal with me. <laughs> I didn't want to call him out today. I love you. <laughs> but, but um, so yeah, it's not called All the Feels. It's called my favorite song, which is fine too, I guess. Um, but so, okay, I'm going to go ahead. Let's read. It's Psalm 103. It's a little bit longer. It'll be on the screen. And so I'm just going to read through it for us. So praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. I don't know, guys. Jacob. It's not clicking. Oh, it did? Okay. Sorry, guys. Jeez. Shake it off, girl. Okay. (laughs) The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. 
He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed, he remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass, they flourish like a flower of the field, the wind blows over it and it's gone, and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. And his righteousness is with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works, everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. <clears throat> There's a lot in there. I know it was really long. But it paints such a beautiful picture of our Father. And even as I say of our Father, um, that word Father may not resonate well with some of us. Maybe our earthly fathers didn't give us a good example of the loving and the grace and the forgiveness but our Father in heaven, our Abba Father, does over and over and over again. And I love because it says he made known his ways to Moses way back, thousands of years ago. He is still the same person, the same God he was then and he is now. He shares his heart with us through his word, through conversations with friends, through Holy Spirit. God is everywhere and we can see him. We have, just have to seek him. There's a couple of spots in there that say, like, those who fear him. And it doesn't mean, like, being terrified, shaken in your boots, afraid of God. What it means is those who revere him, who know who he is, who know his strength and his power, and they have that reverence for him. And then there was one other part that said, those who obey his precepts and his commands. There's not a list of to-dos. This was written back in the Old Testament before Jesus came, and they did have kind of a guideline, a list of to-dos, but God loves us no matter what. He doesn't expect us to earn it, to get everything just right. He's there for us. <laughs> this is more for me, not for you guys. You don't have to write that down. <laughs> so this last week, I knew I was preaching. I knew that um, this was my favorite psalm. I cannot tell you how crazed I have been this last week. I started looking up all the other psalms. Should I do Psalm 8, Psalm 7, Psalm 9? What is everybody else doing? Is this really the one I should do? I don't know what I should do. And so we, as a teaching team, some of us get together and we kind of pre-teach. We... Um, kind of give like the gist of where we want to go with our messages so that we can help each other um, not be better, but like make sure, I don't know, make sure we're confident, you know, it's like an encouragement time. And the one thing, the main thing that they, that the team, it was Pastor Nate and Courtney, um, they're like, where's Ashley? Where's Ashley in this message? Because what I did was I took that psalm and there's so much in there and I know that I should be teaching, well, I thought I should be teaching and every detail that's in there. 
And so I was like, well, Pastor Nate likes to quote people. So I found this um, Robert something, a theologian, and I was going to quote him. And then I had this fact about this and this background about that. And I was like, this is like, this is what everybody else does. This is the good thing, right? And then I realized I was trying to be like everyone else. And that's not, no, that's a bad thing. I was going to say it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it is. So they were like, where's the Ashley in this? And then I'm like, whoa, that's not good enough. They said, where's the Ashley? I heard, that's crap. And so I started over from scratch five more times (laughs) with different psalms. And I just, anytime I would ask God, it was just like I could see his face of patience. And I'm like, that's not helpful. (laughs) Thank you, God, for loving me. (laughs) But what do you want me to do? (laughs) So... So I um, helped paint the kitchen this week. I had a full week of all these crazy things, school meetings for my girls, and all of this, and I knew I was supposed to preach on Sunday. And so the next, um, the next thing is conversation with the friends. Holy Spirit is always at work, guys. I was talking with one friend, Michelle Fisher, who many of you know, and um, she asked me, when's the last time you prayed for you? And I just, I had to think about that. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I always talk with God. And she's like, yeah, but have you asked him for yourself? Because we're supposed to be doing that. Like, he wants us to ask for ourselves, not just to pray for all the people that, you know, that you love, that you need to take care of, to pray for my team. Like, that happens all the time, but I am worthy of God's attention. You are worthy of your Father's attention, and he wants to love on us. So when was the last time I prayed for that? And so it just took me for a while. I was in denial. I'm like, no, we're fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. And then I realized that I hadn't been truly asking him for me, to give me a picture, to give me a word, to give me whatever it is that I need. And so that changed everything, and it brought me to Matthew 7, 7 through 8. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. That psalm that we read paints this picture of God as, a, as our healer, our savior, our father, the unconditional lover of our souls. He loves us so much. And then Matthew says, ask and it will be given to you. And I think what my block was, was that sometimes it's not given to you. At least not as you want. Not as you think. And I've been walking in this in-between. I declare all these things on Sundays. And I know I believe them in my heart. But that inner monologue, guys, (laughs) that disqualification, I said it before, but the biggest battle we'll ever fight is in our minds. Many of you know I lost my dad last August. This was another disqualifying factor for me. Nobody wants to keep hearing about this. They're tired of hearing about this. Ashley, this is what I keep thinking, but I'm working through it. And I don't know. I just, I also encourage people to just share where you're at 
and other people want to hear it, and other people can learn from it too. And so as I'm learning to take these steps and trust again, because I felt like I've been broken, I don't believe that God wants us to be like, stop being so sad. God is good. God is good. God is good. And drilling it into our heads that we need to knock it off. I don't believe that's how my father would talk to me. And oftentimes when we push it to the side, when we stuff it down, it gets worse and distracts even more than if we would just go to him with the disappointment. He can handle it. From everlasting to everlasting, he has been here, and he is with us. Hmm. Ask, and it will be given to you. Lord, would you speak to us in this moment? Unwrap the truth that you have for us. Holy Spirit, whatever comes out of my mouth, may it be your words. You know what your children need to hear. Thank you that you're always there and that you've never failed. Open our eyes and our hearts that we might see you and know you. Amen. So I have been taking our team, I feel like I'm kind of like, but it'll come together, I promise. <laughs> I've been taking our team to different concerts and events, and we went to see Elevation um, a few weeks ago, and it was just so much fun, but the pastor, Stephen Furtick of Elevation Church, was there and spoke, and he was talking about this inner monologue, which was, it's just amazing because it's already been on my heart and mind, and I've been processing through it, and then I hear him speak on it too, which that's just totally a God thing. It's amazing. But he brought up this part of your brain that's called the amygdala. I'm struggling today. <laughs> and so is, this is a drawing of it. The right side of your brain is creativity. The left side is logic. And there's this amygdala that's your survival. There's one on both sides of your brain. And it's where our fear and our anxiety and our fight or flight risk comes from. That's like the processing center for all of that. And he told this story about his daughter, how she wanted to swim underneath the water from one end of the pool to the other end. And she didn't believe that she could do it because her inner monologue was telling her that she couldn't do it. And he, just, he said, it's like this little lizard in your brain. It's called the amygdala. And it just talks at you and talks at you. And he's like, you have to tell that lizard to be quiet because you know you can do it. And so she's like, okay, you know. So she tries it. She takes a really deep breath and she swims under the water from one end all the way. She makes it to the other side and comes up and she's gasping for air. And he's like, you did it. You did it. She goes, yeah, but that lizard talks really, really loud, Dad. <laughs> Have you been there, though? That lizard talks so loud. This 
is helping me with my, with my girls. I have one, her amygdala. Oh, <laughs> I just want to crush it, man, because she just has so much anxiety. And I'm not saying that all the time we can just talk to it and it goes away. Sometimes there is medicine required. Uh, you know, there's mental health is a thing, and I don't, I'm not trying to go there. But a lot of us can take control, and a lot of us can take at least some control and tell that lizard to stop it. And so that's one thing that Holy Spirit has helped me to do because my inner monologue runs and runs and runs. And if I listen, <laughs> yes, that lizard. <laughs> that was really sweet. Um, because it just runs and our thoughts go and run and run and that lizard needs to knock it off. And so as I'm standing here, that lizard is trying to speak to me and tell me you need to stop, but I'm not listening. Um, so anyway, I don't know, I just... I wanted to bring this up, this inner monologue. We know that God is good. We have a whole big book that is a story of unconditional love and redemption. And the more you spend time with it, the more you will hear his voice and you will see all that he has done and you will hear what he has for you. And this amygdala will get quieter and quieter the more you take control. So, I want to ask you, you don't have to answer out loud, obviously, but when is the last time that you actually spent time listening to your Father's love for you? When is the last time that you just rested in his presence? Hopefully every Sunday morning when you come, you get to rest in his presence. That's our prayer but hopefully it's not only on Sunday mornings. Are you seeking? Are you asking? Are you knocking? Because from everlasting to everlasting, your Lord is with you. He doesn't care about mistakes you've made. He doesn't care about the guilt and the shame that try to haunt you. He, well, he cares about it. He wants to remove it for you. But we have to declare that with our voice. Lord, take this guilt and shame. I want it no longer. So here's what I've come to the conclusion of. I refuse to be afraid. This is my mantra that I have to say over and over because it still creeps in. I refuse to be afraid. I refuse to listen to that lizard. And I choose to trust Holy Spirit. He has never let me down. And then that's just let the fun begin. I would have missed out on so much in my life so far, and I know I would still if I didn't listen and didn't trust. So I hope and pray that you will listen and you will trust. So as we end this um, message this morning, I'm going to invite a friend who also has fought countless battles. She is crowned with glory and authority from her father who loves her. And she's a work in progress, but she is a warrior queen. She told me to keep her holy. Is it working? Or not holy, humble. <laughs> keep you humble. <laughs> but you are who you are, and you are amazing and beautiful. And she's just going to come and share her story. And when I heard this story, and she has like a spoken word poem, when I heard it, I was so moved. And I think that you will be too. So she's going to come up, and she's going to 
share with us. And um, after that, we're just going to move right into worship. Um, Let this time just be a time where you can listen to your Father, a time where you can rest in his presence, where you can listen to what he has for you. Open the notes section on your phone if you want to write down what you hear. I think it's so smart to write down what we hear from our Father and trust that you hear his voice. So be refreshed, breathe deep, and praise the Lord, my soul. This is Courtney. I don't know how Ashley expects me to get up here and talk. She just wrecked me emotionally. (laughs) I brought a Kleenex. I was a little bit more prepared than she was. (laughs) Um, I'm Courtney Hill, and um, I'd like to read a story for you today, if that's okay. It's called The Modern Day Lazarus. As a child, she was well-loved, well-taught, and blessed generously in the life God placed her in. Though unable to see past her own self-doubts and anxieties, she started to fall apart. At the age of 16, she chose hopelessness, finding her shell of a soul in an empty relationship of toxic unreaction. At 19, she was birthing the beautiful, blonde-headed boy that she would come to find as her temporary saving grace. 21 came and went, bruised by both husband and heartbreak, discovered on a cold tile floor more often than pride would allow her to admit to anyone but the fan on the ceiling, naked from shame and stripped of warmth by fear. By 23, she had brought another life into the world, unaware and doe-eyed with curls that even Shirley Temple would revere. Though precious lives hung in the balance to be stewarded as gifts, the lies in her ears whispered, undeserving. With reckless abandon pitted against her eternity, she chose the devil's deceit. Her gaze was lost to a darkness named control, mistaken as love. At 24, her mentality was shrinking into the deep belief of worthlessness. Hidden desperately by puffs of smoke she couldn't seem to disentangle herself from, she searched more for the next high than for the true lover of her soul, though he ached. He mourned. He wept for what evil had been given permission to consume her by, and he waited while she gave away what was not hers to give to any arm that lay across the burdened shoulders she had grown. Her muddy mire had gone from hiding place to home. Though yet there came a day where the sun fell just bright enough through the trees and warmed the back of a broken and shattered girl, dead and begging for a way out, he found her. Come out, unwrap yourself and let go. And so desperate for a hope she didn't know still existed, at 26 she chose Jesus. 
tied in dirty hands and a heart burdened in guilt to a God who had nothing but open arms to offer her. She experienced real grace, agape love. This girl is me. Two years and nine months drug free because of Jesus. A few months ago, Ashley asked me to share this with you, and I didn't say yes right away. I, um, I had to have a conversation with God first, and it went a little bit like this. God, I really don't think I'm ready. And he said, that's okay. You're going to do it anyway. And then a couple days ago, um, Ashley texted me and she said, do you think that you could share a little bit more afterwards, you know, where you're at and how you're doing? And I jumped in, yeah, absolutely. And I started writing. And my spirit kind of communicates in a very poetic way. And so the writing that I was creating was coming out beautiful and, and artful. And that night I had a mental breakdown. It was transparently with you, the second mental breakdown I'd had this week. And I found myself on my grandma's chair in my living room, just kind of crying out to God, why? Do you ever have those moments where you're like, I'm not yelling, I'm just talking loudly? So I was talking loudly with, with my heavenly father, and I'm like, why? Why do you expect me to get up here and encourage them when I'm so discouraged? And he reached down and he said, I have not asked you to tell them that life is always good. I have asked you to show them that I am always good. And so here I am today and I'm not the perfect mom and I'm not the perfect wife and I'm not even the perfect Christian. But I know the lies when I hear them and the biggest lie you're ever going to hear is that he is not good and that you are not good enough. There is a war. There is a war between the father of lies and the author of truth. And we must combat that. I am enough. I am enough. I am enough. Because my God says I am enough. I know who created me. I know who he says I am because it is his breath that breathes within me. And so church, I've brought a truth to you today. And it is found in Isaiah 43. It has now become my life truth. But now, O oh Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O oh Israel, the one who formed you says, Do not be afraid. 
for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I was listening to a song on the way to church this morning, and I didn't know I was going to share this with you until then. There is a song called I Am Your Beloved by Jonathan and Melissa Helser. And the chorus says this. The one who knows me best is the one who loves me most. There is nothing I have done that could change the Father's love. If you do not know this already, your name is beloved. Your Father sings over you delights in you and is running after you. Life is not always good, but he is always good. 